On February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass Amherst student Maura Murray disappeared in the White Mountains of New Hampshire in one of the most perplexing mysteries of our time. For years, we have covered Maura's case and the tireless online community that surrounds it in great detail. We have since expanded our mission with this series, raising awareness and shining a light on the stories of other missing persons. We now sit on the board of directors of the nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing, which was founded by Bruce Maitland. Bruce's daughter, Brianna Maitland, went missing from Montgomery, Vermont on March 19th of 2004, just six weeks after and about 80 miles away from where Maura Murray vanished. Private Investigations for the Missing aims to assist with investigations for underserved families whose missing loved ones have been forgotten by the media or by law enforcement. Through our growing community, we hope to shed a light on these cold cases. Families and loved ones can reach out to us at investigationsforthemissing.org. This is Missing. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim, here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you today, Tim? I am doing great, Lance. And this is episode number three in our series on the disappearance of Archer Ray Johnson from Brooklyn, Washington. He went missing on April 1st, 1986. Very small town, Brooklyn, Washington. And in this interview, we were fortunate enough to connect with Archer's daughter, Nikki, and her daughter, Taylor. Taylor is the person who has really picked up the baton and ran with it in regards to her grandfather's disappearance. At one time in the not-so-distant past, she realized, I can do something about my grandfather's disappearance because no one else seems to be doing anything. And it's a really admirable charge that she's taking on right now. She just recently started doing it over the summer. So we're going to help her along the way. And we hope our listeners can help her as well, support her, and really look into Archer's very strange, frustrating case. It is. And uh, we definitely invite you to check out the other two episodes that we've produced on this case that are just, just came out last week and the week before. And uh, we talk a lot about the case. And so, yeah, this is a family interview, which is a little bit more personal. And we get to hear what it's like to grow up with a grandfather who you never met that has been missing your entire life. And uh, Nikki was 10 years old when her father went missing, which is incredibly traumatic as well. So we learn of a lot of information. We get to meet Nikki and Taylor and uh, learn about their family. So hopefully this is one step closer to getting some answers for Nikki, Taylor, Archer, because they really do deserve it. And if you have any information in Archer's disappearance, please contact the Grays Harbor Sheriff's Department at 360-249-3711. And also there's a Facebook page run by Archer's family that they would love for you to contact them if you've got any tips as well. Yes, exactly. If you do have tips, please contact the law enforcement, the number that you mentioned, Tim, but also they were very insistent that you simultaneously contact them. They really need to have this information as well. And that Facebook page is Find Archer Ray Johnson. It's facebook.com slash Find Archer Ray Johnson. 
welcome to the podcast, Nikki and Taylor Johnson. How are you today? Good. How are Good. you? Oh, we're we're doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your your evening to join us. Well, first, um, we did a series. We're doing a series on Archer Ray Johnson, and we have relatives of here to here today. Introduce yourself to the audience. Let them know what your relationship to Archer is. I'm Nikki Johnson. I'm his daughter, his youngest daughter. I'm Taylor, and I am his granddaughter. Great. And Taylor, you are in the education world. Nikki, what is it that you do professionally? I am office manager at a local church. Very good. Very good. Very, very admirable jobs. My, uh, I'm tipping my proverbial cap to you both. Thank you. And so you reached out recently to Private Investigations for the Missing, uh, the nonprofit that, that Lance and I are on the board of. And um, you spoke with Jen a little bit about Archer's case. What has it been like for you in trying to uh, raise awareness for Archer's case? Well, for me, I was 10 years old when he disappeared. And so it's been 34 years. And pretty much my whole life, or since then, it's been... Um, not a lot of anything has happened. It's just kind of been brushed to the side, like he's forgotten about. And then that's when Taylor comes but in. Now, I mean, I listen to podcasts, I watch all the shows. And so now I feel like finally his his story is being told. It's It's time for that. It's been 34 years. So it's nice to be listened to. Yeah, he went missing on April 1st of... 1986 that's a long time and regardless of the number of years that pass you have a right and and he has a right to have some sort of answer some sort of justice and I'm curious what you meant when you said he was just sort of brushed aside just in general or or was it maybe a domino effect of law enforcement media etc I think it was all of it I feel like, um, well, we just never found him. So life goes on. And I guess I kind of had that mentality. And then anytime I thought, well, maybe what about this? What about that? I, it was completely overwhelming for me, really emotionally overwhelming. Um, and I feel like because we live in a small town, um, you know, there's relatives, different things, uh, and then, you know, law enforcement is small and you hear you hear rumors and it's just kind of been a, a lot for me emotionally when she's not as emotionally involved in it, I don't think. Right. How old were you when when Archer went missing, if you don't mind me asking? Ten. Ten. OK. Wow. So can you do you mind taking us back to that time a little bit and uh, tell us what, what that was like when you first found that out? So I will tell you, I, my older brother, who's a couple years older than me, my mom was a single mom. So my brother and I had a dentist appointment. We were at the local dentist here. I was in the dentist chair and the local radio station came on. And that's how I found out. It was Archer Ray Johnson is missing. And I was, okay, that's not a name that you hear. You're in a small town. I knew it was my dad. Um, so I think I kind of, did I, I can't believe I just heard that, you know, it was rough. And it, I still have had an issue with the dentist because I feel like it um, scarred me, you know? I mean, it's, it seems weird, but then it doesn't seem weird. 
anyway, so I went out, he had his appointment. We didn't talk about it. And then I went home. My mom sat me down to tell me and I told her I already knew. And she was upset that I found out that way. Wow. Okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. You were literally in the dentist chair. Yes, I was. Did you say anything to the dentist? Did he say anything to you or she? think I said anything to even to my brother I think it was so I can't believe I just heard that and and my parents were divorced so I can't remember really the last time I had seen my dad but I knew who he was and now I look back as an adult and think why was my mom not contacted and instantly told right away um there's just a lot of things that were weird from the beginning because she never was contacted she was never contacted by police ab- about it? No. The only reason, the only way she found out is she worked for the city, which was the um, local police department was in the same building. They never got a hold of her and said, hey, have you seen Arch? You know, nobody did that. Okay. I, when you were in that dentist chair, how long had passed between when he went missing? Was it on the same day? I think it must have been. The next day, when I read the, the next stuff, day. I think it must have been the next day. Okay. Because of the time he disappeared and the time I would have been, I think it must have been the next day. And what was that like um, in the days after he went missing? Um, almost unreal. Because, like, you hear stories of people going missing, but then you, you kind of brush it off like it really doesn't happen, but it does. You know, and at 10 years old, I didn't know what to think. Um, And it's weird as an adult now to look on how um, I think things would be handled if, if, say, it was her father. You know, it's just people didn't go about it right. Tell us a little bit about that. That's an interesting point you raised that you think things would be handled a little bit different if it was her father. Um, and you're referring to, to Taylor because of technology or because of, well, I think that because I mean, a different time, you know, things were different back then, but I guess from looking at say to the TV shows they have now, you know, when somebody goes missing, one of the first people they look at is people close to them. So an ex-wife would be, you know, um, and I think like with, if I put myself and that happened with her, I feel like I would be on the police more. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to, um, how to describe it as just looking at it differently as an adult. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's really relatable. I've, I mean, not relatable in the sense that it's happened to me, but Tim and I do hear stories and a lot of our stories come from a period of time from maybe the late seventies to the late eighties, right before technology really boomed and especially when you're dealing with a small town too i feel like there's so many of those stories where someone walks away from their car or walks away from their house and i guess like a an investigation lasts maybe a a, a total of a, a few days or something and then it's kind of like well they probably just you know they got tired of living living their life here and then they were gone i don't know if there was something in the air in the mid early to mid 80s but we hear that a lot that it's like, well, they'll probably come back or, yeah, they probably just wanted to escape their lives. And then the more we look into it, the more we see, well, they really didn't have a reason to escape their lives. They were actually 
on their way to go cash a check or something, or they're on their way to, you know, pick up groceries or, or something. Yeah. Or they, or they had a child on the way, right. you know, um, we did say the small town thing and I'm, I don't want to harp on it too much, but how, how large was, uh, the town at the time, uh, Brooklyn, Washington? I would say a couple hundred, maybe. I don't think that it's changed much since then. Um, and out there, everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how small it is. Yeah. And I feel like here, our, like our town is what, 3,000? And everyone knows everyone. I guess that's one thing I would think of. People knew my mom. People knew she had me. People know. I mean, we all know each other, even if you don't really um, talk on day to day. And it just. Taylor, can you tell us what it, what it's been like for you um, growing up uh your grandfather's been missing your entire life. Um, I, I guess, well, what's that like for you? It's hard. It's, I see all my friends with their grandpas and I don't have my dad around really either. So it's just been my mom and my grandma and I, and I've kind of seen that, that hole that's missing. And I think about how different it would be if he was here. And so I think that's why I'm so passionate about it because I'm doing my part as his granddaughter and how I hope he would fight for me if he was here. It's a great answer. Thank you. What would it do for you if there was actually both of you? You're you're very passionate about this. What what would it do for each of you to have some answer? What what would be an answer that you could look at and and understand and and maybe have some conclusion Tron that made sense what would that fill that hole that you just talked about in a sense I think yeah I think it would um cover most of the hole I don't know if it would fill it all because it's been so long and because of so many people involved aren't here anymore to really know exactly my biggest thing is to have his remains that's what I would you know and I often wonder what I would what that will feel like but then I, then I can't think of that. I just have to be, and I know he would be super proud of her because I mean, we wouldn't have got where we're at right now if it wasn't for her. Taylor, when did you decide to take up this effort to be your grandfather's advocate? Just a couple months ago, probably June. It's always been on my mind and I always think, why has nobody else in the family done it? And because they're not, I'm going to. Great. What what was your first step when you finally made that decision? You said, I'm going to be the person to do this. What was your next step? I made a Facebook page and I messaged a couple uh, local news sources. And I also put in a request at the sheriff's office for some information and tried calling them as well. And did you speak with them? No. They didn't call you back or anything? No. But you did get a, a FOIA request back? Yeah, and they denied that. Oh, they denied it. Yes. Hmm. On on what grounds did they deny it? It's active, they said. Oh. So then we tried, my mom tried to contact them. And if it's active, we'd like to know what you're doing and who's in charge and just an update. And we still can't get a hold of them. You're talking about the the local law enforcement from Brooklyn, Washington? The Grace Harbor County Sheriff. Mm-hmm. Why, why aren't they getting back to you? Are they too busy? No. <laughs> I had somebody reach out to me who had heard a story about my dad 
And so with, within that, um, I reached, I called again also, and I was like, hey, I just heard this story. You know, you might want to follow up on it. The person who will reach out to me called, never, never heard about, didn't, the lady finally got a call back and she didn't even know about my dad's case. They had to find it. Yeah. So I don't know. I understand yeah. their call. I totally get that. I guess it's kind of hard to see how active it is if, uh, you know, it doesn't really seem like too many people there are uh, aware of it. Um, how, how big is this uh, sheriff's department? Not very big. No, not very big. I don't think they have like a cold case detective or anything like that. But my thought is, it's been 34 years. Don't you guys want to solve it or something, you know, do something with it? I feel like they don't care. God, I, I wish we could do one of these without hearing that same story where, you know, you actually had, I don't care what size town it is. It would be nice to hear that there's someone in law enforcement who will pick up the, the, the baton and, and run with a case and, and say, hey, this is solvable. Because we, we did some research. We had Jen who did the research. He presented it to us. And, and the three of us talked and we were all saying this is completely solvable. This is there there's absolutely an answer here it just the odds of it because of the size of the town everyone knows everyone i mean even if some people have passed who had information they've probably told somebody something i mean i'm just really surprised that some maybe i always picture it being like a rookie police officer who's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna this one seems like i can this could be my case because what else are you going to do in that town Yeah, it is kind of the same old story, Lance. And we, but we have experienced uh, this kind of thing with with you know enthusiastic investigators at times. Uh, the fellows from Saratoga Springs come to mind. Um, but yeah, it it is a familiar story, and it's it's a shame. Um, and they they tell you media pressure is good to get. So hopefully this this can help in some way. Media around around your dad and granddad's case can help uh, at least get you a call back. And you did say something uh, earlier. I, I think it was Nikki who said uh, it was, it was really hard with the um, rumors and relatives. And then we kind of moved on to something else. What did, what did you mean by having relatives and, and rumors? Well, you know, there, there would be the time when all of a sudden somebody would say, Oh yeah, I, I remember your dad. Didn't they find him? And, or um, so-and-so said this and uh, just people um, think that it was just solved. And I'm like, no, he's still out there somewhere missing. And then, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of siblings. My dad had a lot of siblings, a lot of relatives. And um, if you read into the case more, a lot of relatives are involved. There's other relatives involved. And I think it's hard because people don't want to um, feel that maybe one could have been involved with the other one, you know? Yeah. That could make for some awkward holidays. And I feel like some of the, and I, I love my relatives, but I feel like some of the times when I would show up at places, it was like, I'm a reminder of him and we don't want to, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about him and, just brush it aside when, you know, I think about him every single day. And, and you have, um, other siblings who are, uh, 
sons or sons and daughters of Archer? Yes, older. Are yes. You, are you close with them? No. Do you talk with any of them at this point, or nope. not really? Passed away, and the other two I don't really see very much. Just just different relationships. Did they have any relationship with law enforcement or or anyone at a certain point early, like back in the eighties? Not that I'm aware of. No. Do you think that the relationships with your siblings would be different if this didn't happen? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Isn't it crazy the the ripple effect of something like this? The secondary victims. We talk about that a lot too. Uh, and I just, again, want to point out to listeners that you two are secondary victims. This happened in 1986. And the, the math on that is what, 34 years? 34 years. Going on 35 years of of this ripple effect. It's uh, if anybody who is responsible for doing something to, to anybody, just understand what, what that puts everybody through. Even, even people beyond you two as well, you know, and, and your siblings. Mm-hmm. That's just my PSA for the time being. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. What about any searches? Were you, um, other than the ones right after his Archer's initial disappearance, are you, have you been aware of any searches that have been uh, done? No. As far as I know, it was only that first few days. Mm-hmm. Nothing. We did find out in, was it 99? 99, someone had, con- so where my dad disappeared is on the, between two different counties. So somebody from our county, which is a different county, contacted um, the Pacific County Sheriff's Office with with a story, and they um, submitted it to Grace Harbor. And uh, as far as I know, they never did anything about it. And that was the year she was born, so twenty one, almost twenty two years ago. Okay, and uh, do you obviously uh, more searches would be would be great. Uh, do you have any any ideas on where? a good search, a good place to start would be? Yeah. The property where um, my uncle's girlfriend, Rosa, Rosa lived in Brooklyn. Um, that would be the number one place to search. Have you contacted the current property owners? Cause I'm assuming she's no longer, or no one in her lineage is a, uh, the, the a property owner there. As of two years ago, it's new owners, yes. Yeah. And we haven't contacted, because honestly, it scares, the thought of it scares me. I bet, yeah. I know people who know them and say that they're really nice people, but it still is scary, you know? (laughs) So that's where I wish the Grace Harbor Sheriff would do their job, and they would do that. Oh, for sure. I I can imagine that these people would want some sort of resolution once they find out that something might be on their property of significance. I I can't imagine that uh, people owning a property. I'm just imagining if the police came to, to my place and my, my girlfriend's place here and said, we need to search because this family is missing their, their father and their grandfather. And there might be something significant I would open every single door. I'd be like, "Come on in!" Like, what do you, you want? Some coffee? What can I get for you? Let's 
you know, let's get this, let's get this going and, and get it done. I, I would imagine that the, this family would do that. I've never met him, but I would imagine. I would think so. I would hope so. Have you ever met Rosa? Mm-mm. I think I may have seen her when I was younger, but I, I don't know. And she's deceased now? Yes. And what about Earl? Can you tell us a little bit about Earl? Um, I don't really remember him much either. Um, I just know of what I've been told about him coming in and talking to my mom after my dad disappeared, um, asking about me. That's pretty much all I really remember. Do you have any knowledge about the truck, Archer's truck, and when that was removed from the scene and and what happened with that? Has anyone searched that? Do you do you know of? After Earl moved it, I don't know. I have no idea. Interesting. We don't even know that it really ever even. I don't think it ever really was even searched at all. Yeah, I'm I'm looking through the document here, and I don't. I don't believe it was searched because it. The search coordinator wrote a report saying the vehicle had already been removed by family and the area was contaminated as far as clues for the most part. Yeah, right. Was the car, the the truck and the family for a while or do you, do you know where that ended up? I would think that his wife that he had just recently married would have gotten it or Earl. I think if it was looked at, it was looked at, oh, there's the truck and that, that was it. Do you know about this Jameson person, this um, this witness that uh, that was in in the research that Jen compiled? Um, do you do you know that person, or uh, does that sound familiar to you? No. Okay, interesting. But you you do know of that person, right? Just from the papers, yeah. Yeah. How much work have you put into the timeline of that day, the the order of events, and? What significance? Is there anything significant that stands out to you that doesn't sound right? Well, Jen had mentioned how he, Earl had said he got gassed twice. And that's weird. That's really weird. And why would you have dropped Rosa off to wait and look for him? That just seems weird to me. And moving the truck, that is the number one thing that bothers me. In today, today, if someone's missing, you do not touch that. You don't move it. You don't do anything with it. So that that's weird. And as far as you know, the truck wasn't like sitting in the middle of the road, right? I think it was maybe slightly in the road, but not in the way. It is It is a frustrating disappearance, to say the least. And Nikki, did your mom or uh, other members of your family have thoughts on, on what happened to Archer? Did, did you hear about those? Uh, yeah, uh, there was the whole, uh, he just wanted to start a new life and he did it, you know, intentionally, which my mom has said since day one, he would not do that. He was too close to his family. And, you know, most of my relatives have never said what they think has happened. I just go on what I, what I read in the papers and how I feel, you know. I think a lot of them listened to what Earl said and kind of just went with that and said, okay, that's probably what happened. How Earl was really uh, concerned about the neighbor, Fred March, 
And so they probably all just believed him and didn't really look into it further. They all just believed him on in what he said, uh, which was what? He had thought that Fred March had something to do with it. What transpired that day, what he said is what happened. And I think it was just like, okay, that, but did it? So was that neighbor around for a while? Did he uh, hang at Fred Merch? Did he stay there for a long time? Did he move away right away? He went to work, but his wife has always been there. She's still there to this day, even. And they were pretty upfront with it, honest with what they say happened, that they weren't involved. And Earl's story is from the... I guess they had a disagreement or they had a, a bit of a, um, there was a, there was an incident where they were trespassing and that was where the, the rift started between Archer and Fred, Fred March. And that was, that was Earl's like basis for the story that this rift grew to a point where Fred kidnapped Archer or something. Correct. It's a reasonable jump from, trespassing on someone's property yeah and fred even i believe took my dad to court for trespassing or something and my dad was found not guilty so it was definitely a a weird relationship maybe even a tense relationship yes they were right next door neighbors from what i've got i've never gotten earl's exact address but my grandpa didn't live near him no i just want to take it back a little bit when did you first hear about your grandfather's disappearance was it was it from your mom yeah i've always just known he wasn't around and Mm -hmm. that he disappeared and that was really all i'd known and then a while ago i just asked her like what what do you know and she told me which also wasn't a lot and so i just thought well nobody knows anything we deserve to know what the story is and how he disappeared and stuff like that and I know you said that you just really started going into overdrive on on looking into his disappearance. H- have you been to that area where his truck was? Um, it must be tough with um, uh, you know, travel restrictions and everything today. Uh, do you plan on going there if you haven't been? Yeah, we've been out there. How far away? Oh, yeah, it's maybe half an hour yeah, away. Yeah, forty five minutes is. I have no sense of I have no sense of geography. Uh, the further the further west you get from New England, it's probably two right turns in the straight stretch to, to there. That's that's about it. But it's like a logging road, so you know, we're a couple times. Gotcha. Okay, so uh, when was the first time you went out there, and what was that like? What kind of surreal moment was that? The first time I was out there was. Um, probably when she was little and it's always just creeped me out really I mean it's um I'm sure if there was no uh connection it'd be a beautiful place but to me I, I just creeped out but um I think since since she's been more into it we've gone up twice yeah, yeah in the last couple months um and tried to find the exact spot where his truck was you said that it probably would have been a beautiful area, but it creeps you out now. It obviously creeps you out because it's where your dad disappeared. Did you bring anything like a metal detector or 
or anything like that? I mean, it's been so long, I don't know what you would find. No. No, because where the the spot where the truck was is different from where my uncle lived. Um, I mean, I'd like to, I'd love to take a metal detector out to where that property is. Yeah, I feel like I have to psych myself up to go out there. Yeah, that's understandable. And do you know how big that property is? That uh, Rose's old property. I think it's seventy three acres. Wow, that's right, huh? That's very large. It, has that been broken up into sections at all? I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around 73 acres. Right. It's like the it's like the size of a town, right? Yeah. It's like the size of a small town. That's huge. My god. Is that um, like a farm? Yes. It is. Okay. I wonder if it'd be worth bringing a drone in there, flying it, flying it over. I don't know what you'd find other than a sense of the uh, geography, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I know a portion of it. There's no trees, but most of it has trees over it. And that place has never been searched. That property, as far as we know, no. I'm gonna go off topic real quick, but it's still about your your father and your grandfather. In the information that we were given, it describes him as being a fern picker and a bark peeler. And I have we were trying to figure out if that is literally someone who collects ferns and peels bark. What can you please explain this to us? <laughs> so you peel the a certain type of bark off a tree. I don't know. I should know, but I don't and the ferns, and then they're sold. So you, you peel them, and you pick them, and then they're sold. What they do when they're sold, I don't, I don't know that. Paper. Literally, yeah, maybe. Literally picking ferns and peeling bark. Yes. Interesting. It sounds really, I think what we were saying was that it was uh, like therapeutic. I'm just imagining peeling bark, and it's making me calm. It sounds really therapeutic. <laughs> it doesn't sound calming to me. <laughs> Do you have any favorite memories of your dad, Archer? You know, I, the only thing that I think of when I think of my dad, because I don't remember, so he disappeared when I was 10. I don't remember from that, before that, one last time I saw him, but I always relate sock monkeys to him. And my mom said that he had one, like the old school sock monkeys that actually were made from a sock. Um, but I don't have a lot of memories of him, really, at all. I'm not a uh, big subscriber to psychics or anything of the paranormal, other than they might be able to say something that could trigger something or, or jog something or make you think a little bit differently about a situation. Have you ever had a, a psychic or anybody of that ilk uh, at the scene where, where your dad and your grandfather's truck was found? Have you considered doing that? Um, I believe within months of his disappearance, if not weeks, somebody hired a psychic. I don't know who it was, um, but I re remember hearing something about there was a story that he went to California I don't know if the psychics thought he went to California and then something about him being tied to a tree somewhere but there was nothing ever 
came from that. And as far as I know, there has never been any other. Um, you have, and I haven't done that. No. That's that's why I don't subscribe to psychics because they'll they'll give you a shock detail and to make you like to to I don't know put you over the top or something. And I hold that emotion. Really into that either, so that's yeah. why I'm just like. Mm. The uh, private investigators that work with us are very much into psychics. They uh, they enlist their no, I'm totally kidding. They're they're about as opposite as possible. <laughs> I have one more question. If someone has information on this and they hear this, is it better for them to contact the two of you through your Facebook page with information about Archer, or do you prefer them to contact the Grays Harbor County Sheriff's Office? I would prefer us. I've thought about that. I think, what if someone has contacted them and they've never done anything on it? Because I've I've heard stories about that, that cases go unsolved because people did their part, but the police didn't. And so I would like to be contacted, yes. I totally think that's fair. And I think the track record dictates something different like that. If, if someone wants to contact the Grays Harbor County Sheriff's Office, we have the we have the number 360-249-3711. They can do that, but simultaneously contact your Facebook page. Do you want to give the Facebook page address? It's Find Archer Ray Johnson. When a person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers, but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.